one way to catch a poacher is by smell. Winding up a hill in southern Kenya, a tracker dog is guided by a scent, past thorned bushes and through brush. On the other end of the leash is Ranger Mutinda Nivo. He keeps his eyes on the red earth for footprints. Today, this is a training exercise, but the pair have caught many poachers or attempted poachers this way. Stay. No, 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 no. Ndivo knows the way poachers work because he was one, a notorious one at that, I'm told by my translator Joseph. It was Ndivo's father who taught him how to poach using poisoned arrows. By 1989, he'd made a name for himself, killing up to seven elephants a day. But even if he was notorious, Ndivo was still at the bottom of the wildlife crime chain. He had no idea where the ivory went or who it funded. You know, all these buyers are big businessmen, and him is just there to get his money, so he doesn't follow up on what the other business that the buyer is carrying out. It was the law that ultimately stopped Ndivo. He was caught, imprisoned, had to sell off most of what he owned to pay a $100,000 fine. And ultimately, that was it. It was too expensive, too risky for him to poach. He got a job with Wildlife NGO Big Life for $200 a month. The Kenyan government is hoping these same economic forces will prevent others from poaching. Last year, they put into effect a strict wildlife act. It imposes life sentences or fines of up to $200,000 for poaching elephants or other wildlife. The law is just one of the tools being used to combat poaching. The Kenyan government increased funding to the Wildlife Service. With the help of international donors, it's established a new forensic lab to test wildlife products to aid in prosecution. Also key has been the government's openness to work with NGOs, groups like Big Life. Yeah, we are happy with the Wildlife Act. Bernard Kipto works with Big Life to monitor wildlife crime and make sure incidents are followed up in court. And that's an essential question here surrounding the Wildlife Act, enforcement. Big Life employs people just to keep tabs on these cases and a police force often criticized for corruption. You know, we have to be there because we doubt if these people will actually be brought before the, the courts. When cases do go through the system, however, the results are striking. He points to a whiteboard with past cases of elephant poaching. On 27 July 2011, somebody was arrested for sparing an elephant at Holpakai. And when he was taken to the courts, he was fined 30000 and released. That's about 300 U.S. dollars. In a similar case last year, after the bill was passed, a man was charged with seven years in prison. Now, that may help deter smaller-level poachers, but for the sophisticated poachers, those more likely to be connected to large criminal groups... Their insurances, their connections, their income is so large that it would probably take some time to really try to squeeze these guys to... You know, to, to make this law a, a deterrent. Johan Bergenes studies transnational security with the Stimson Center and works extensively with Kenyan anti-poaching initiatives. He says that while it may still be too early to know the real effect of the wildlife bill, it's a big step in African conservation. I would look at this bill as a, you know, as a, one of the strongest manifestations that this is no longer sort of a Western led big NGOs in Washington, Brussels, Stockholm, 
you know, hugging elephants on pictures in the subways, uh, making money off of African elephants looking cute. I would look at it as a way where you know, Africans are taking ownership of their economic assets. Africans are, are seeing the impact of wildlife crime and what it does to their economies, what it does to their security, what it does to their development. Here around Amboseli National Park, local communities are active in this fight. Big Life Rangers have received a call. An elephant has trampled a garden. You will see the elephant tracks. This is a male. These rangers are all locals, and they know it's not easy living alongside this wildlife. The landowner stands with arms crossed, tears in her eyes. She says this garden is the only way she can afford to pay for her three kids' education. And here's where an NGO, like Big Life, makes the difference. Rangers provide her with flares to scare away any future wildlife and will compensate her if any animals are killed. Where before there may have been a retaliatory poaching of the elephant, now these rangers have won over a community member. This woman will likely become part of Big Life's informer network, people who notify rangers of any suspicious activity. And a community that values wildlife is key. Tourism, mostly from wildlife, is huge here. It makes up about 12% of Kenya's economy. Security expert Johan Bergenas says that for the economic security of the country, Kenya needs to keep these animals alive and their bounty out of the wrong hands. Over the next 15, 20 years, as they are transitioning their economies into a more industrialized economy, they cannot afford to have uh, sectors of their society squashed by transnational criminals and not being able to make that transition uh, into a more developed country. After a day's work, the rangers go back to their base and make a meal of maize flour mash and greens. They spend 23 days out of the month deployed here. For Mwimo Yambat, who has five kids and a wife at home, wildlife, more than anything, means money. You know that when you look after wildlife, we get a sponsorship because of wildlife. And so we get a profit because of our life. So I'm happy. I'm happy to, uh, to work even a very hard job because of we benefit through the wildlife. Here along Kenya's other front line, it comes down to economic incentives. For the wildlife to thrive, their protectors have to believe they're more beneficial alive than they are dead. For America Abroad, I'm Brianna Duggan.